Hey, Tony. Tony like, turns around. He's all fucked Tony. up. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Anyway, yeah, you were saying you were talking about yeah, yeah. Al Pacino's mid-career after the heights of the 70s. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, he, I mean, this is after Cruising, which I love that movie. I think it's very underrated. I wish there was an extended cut by Freakin' because mm-hmm. I think that's one of his best movies. Um, I think it's underrated. And Pacino's performance in it is, is really, really powerful. But yeah, he, he this is the backside, man. And like it hit at the right time, I think. For him. Well, I think he still had some good performances left until the 90s, at least. Oh, of like course. Santa no, Woman, yeah. I mean, I like, mean, like, even like Heat, you know, in 95. Right. The Insider. You know, the Insider. Yeah. yeah. There, you have those like Pacino movies with the 90s where you're just like, um, and even Carlito's Way. Yeah. You know, De Palma's Carlito's Way is mm-hmm. such a moving, like, moving film, man. But like, but yeah, like, I believe his performance in Scarface. You know, I, I, I think that he contains what every watching this movie i can see why this is like a pinnacle film for latinos because it feels like a certain generation of men modeled themselves after tony montana because tony montana like lives by a code he has honor he has that that quote-unquote latin machismo yeah. Right. And I think a certain generation like modeled themselves after him. The funny thing is, that you know, the first scene, they ask him, "How'd you learn how to, how to speak English?" What yeah. does he say? Oh, the movies. The Humphrey Bogart. James Cagney. And then, um, I mean, you could say you could make the 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 case that he he learned how to be a man from watching these movies. American movies. Yeah. Right. It's a very American men. Yeah. More than Cuban, he's a very American type of gangster. Exactly. Yeah. He's very um. It's weird. Yeah. He's like sort of charming and funny. Yeah. But also extremely dangerous if you cross him. Yeah. Exactly like Bogart and more Cagney was. Cagney. Yeah. He's more of a Cagney, I think, in this one. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He's just a very powerful figure, even though, yeah, like James Cagney, they were small in size. Yeah. They weren't very tall or big, but they could physically impose themselves basically on just terms of their personality. Yeah, when they enter a room, that's very demanding. Right. You can feel them there. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. This movie, I, I feel like what it did... I think I... I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I told somebody, like, this movie is probably like the single most important Latino movie ever made, uh-huh. not starring a Latino and not directed by a Latino or even written by a Latino. But it's important. Like this is like you know, what's that meme? This you know, the starter kit. Like this is like I don't know, I feel like this movie has affected the Latino community in so many ways that we really it's really hard to like explain it to like anybody outside the Latino community. I don't know, but yeah you know um and same thing with the hip-hop culture this movie is like everything man like Mm -hmm. you know it feels like um it feels like nowadays when you ask people what their favorite movies are i mean hopefully they say starface but if you ask like men of a certain age you know they'd probably be like goodfellas starface you know what i mean that's more of a you're like oh uh (laughs) never mind uh but yeah you're right that this is a very important movie culturally and for even i guess cinephiles yeah it's like one of those first movies you start with when you start getting deeper into film yeah yeah i agree this is like one of those where you watch and you're like you go oh man like a movie can be made like this that's like actiony but then it's that of course that shootout scene at the end 
I would watch that scene over and over again. I remember when I finally got the DVD, you know, like mm-hmm. just because of the way it's like filmed, it's like beautifully shot and cut together. And, um, but yeah, it's just one of those movies where you start to look at movies differently. I think where you start to go, Oh man, this is like, mm-hmm. this is like a drama action and they can be both things at the same time and be a success. Right. Yeah. It just shows you different kind of movie making that, that you don't usually see in mainstream movies. No. It's funny, like the things like, like we just were talking about. We usually watch these kind of movies on TV. Like I remember watching yeah. Fargo, Reservoir Dogs, Boogie Nights, Itoma Tambien. Yeah, as a like twelve and thirteen years old. Yeah, how weird. My huh? head exploding. Yeah, because those movies are so different, and I get to saw those movies because they were for some reason airing uncensored at six o'clock on a weeknight. <laughs> wow. And Evil Dead too. Completely uncensored <laughs> on a Saturday on AMC. Yeah, I, I was freaked that. out. I remember that. Um, because yeah, like you don't see movies like you didn't think movies like that were possible, but it turns out they no, are. No, yeah, it's and, weird. It's like a switch goes off in your head. Yeah, and you're like, whoa. And you're like, yeah, well, or can I get more of this? It turns into an addiction in some way for some people. Yeah, it leads one one thing leads to another. It's it's it's, it's strange, but like, no, it's funny you bring that up. Watching those type of movies on cable. Mm. And like coming across them, you know, I almost feel like that's a better way to encounter movies than rather just going flipping through like Amazon or Netflix, right? Where you just turn it on the TV and you go like, "Oh, what's this?" You yeah. know what I mean? And next thing you know, you're obsessed with Quentin Tarantino or something, right? Like, I mean, the first time you watch it, it's like halfway through. Yeah, you're like, "Oh, yeah." You're like, how did we get here? You're yeah, like, yeah. Like for Scarface, for me, it's just this movie means like a lot to just I don't know. It's it's about a Cuban guy, right? It's about a Cuban refugee, but I mean, like, it just speaks volume to like Mexicans. Like, I like the Mexicans and the Hispanics I grew up with. Like, we would just quote this movie like crazy, right? You so know what I mean? It's really about for any immigrants about the American dream, exactly. Right? And it's and it's such a strange like immigrant story. I feel like because it's at a time where it's like Reagan, right? He's in office. Well, I remember. Right? Um, in the first scene, you see a picture of Jimmy Carter. Carter, right? Yeah. yeah. Since 1980 to like 1982, maybe. Yeah, right. The time frame. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So like. So it's a bit of both. Right. Yeah, and it feels like the country at that time, from what I understood, was coming out of like, you know, it's post Vietnam, it's post disco era. The country's kind of economically in a slump, you know, and Reagan's on the way. And what better movie to like embody the 80s of Reaganism than like the story of excess like Scarface, yeah. you know, which is a capitalistic movie. It's just like, this movie is like America in a, in a time capsule. I don't know how to describe it. And the fact that it's an immigrant story, which like, I know the Reagan party was like coming down hard on immigration, you know, yeah, at that time. Right. And we were having like another wave of like the strange conservatism, like run through the country. The fact that like a, a Cuban rises from the slums right comes over here on a quote-unquote banana boat mm-hmm. you know and he becomes a drug lord all of a sudden it's just kind of spooky man how this movie like kind of like influenced culture specifically like miami culture you know yeah that's funny too that they miss this the lesson of the movie if there is one is that every anytime <sighs> yeah. you see tony achieve anything that's big and I, I don't know not his career but like maybe he takes over frank's empire yeah you just see him sitting by himself 
looking sad. And, and you know, that's funny you bring that up, man, because I, I was thinking about that too, about how like he has all these things, but yet he's still lonely and sad. Right. And like, um, it feels like movies like this we always take away the bad parts. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like, this is supposed to be a warning, right? Like right. we talked about it last week with like Wolf of Wall Street. Right, we, yeah. How like, we start to idolize like Jordan Belfort and stuff. And I'm, and it's kind of like disturbing that we start to idolize these guys where it's like a warning sign, you know? Definitely, like, yeah, people use that as a con- constant criticism of Scorsese is that yeah. he glamorizes gangsters yeah. Or like even in Flight Club, you're glamorizing yeah. Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. The thing is that these all of these movies are really comedies and also they're uh they're not about what people think they're about. They're often a lesson against capitalism yeah. or toxic imagination. It's usually a critique, yeah. Yeah. But um if if you wanna tell tell that story, you have to not glamorize, but you have to show why this is attractive to people. That's true. Why it takes them in, why they feel powerful. Yeah. When they, I don't know, do a drug deal or shoot somebody. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's meant to scare you away, if anything. I don't think, people have this <laughs> fantasy of going out like Tony, right? And like oh, guns blazing man, with the machine gun, yeah, taking everybody out, gun. dying in his yeah. mansion. But the thing yeah. is before that. Or owning, or the fact he owns a tiger. Right, or a tiger. Like that, that like. That's crazy, man. And I think Mike Tyson had referenced, like, yeah. he got a tiger because of that. It's like, I, I mean, don't know. you hear about all kinds of Mexican you know? narcos owning tigers, yeah. lions, bears. Elephants. It's just crazy, man, what it, what it can do, like, the influence of, like, money and power. Right, like, I mean, with Tony, he starts off, yeah, <laughs> wanting to take over the country, taking over uh, this drug empire. But yeah, as soon as he does, he starts getting into drugs. He starts losing the smarts that got him there in the first place. Yeah, and never the, get high on your own supply. Right, it's what Elvira right. says. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he loses what got him there in the first place, so he can't maintain it. He winds up killing his best friend, watching his sister die, yeah. losing everything because yeah, he loses control of, of what got him there in the first place. No, yeah, of course, like. Uh, it's just weird how we just look at these movies and yeah, they become this staple in culture and we start to idolize them. And like, you know, I think of like something like menace to society or like boys in the hood mm-hmm. and they, and, or like blood in blood out, man. Like how many Mexicans I know, like who love blood in blood out. And it's just like, we're supposed to learn something from men, not become those characters, you know? Yeah. But in some weird way, we just embody the negatives sometimes of them. You know? I mean, yeah, you could make the argument that just filmmaking or any visual the influence. Yeah. yeah, it's just too powerful. It, it just, is. It just yeah. takes you in. It just. Yeah. I mean, you could extend this argument out to like romantic comedies and people having this expectations idealized. of love and stuff, right? Yeah. And relationships. And Oof. It's deadly, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, at the same time, we're not taught how we should critique these sorts of work because yeah, we're just sort of. At the same time, movies are treated as like sort of, sort of like lightweight entertainment. I know. It doesn't really matter, but it turns out it gets deep it, into our yeah. brains. It feels it, like the influence of movies now has kind of dwindled because yeah. of like the internet and what's the the evolution of the internet. But like back then, like when Scarface came out, like there and this movie was like rated X, right? It was like, at first they had to make first, cuts. Yeah, it was like rated theaters. X because of the chainsaw scene yeah. and like and the the constant violence and drug use and the use of the F word. And it's just like, nobody had really seen a movie like this, 
you yeah. know? From I mean, what I've 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 uh, heard from like people who saw it in the theaters, you know. Right. I mean, like before this, like ten years before this got made, it was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But these are small yeah. movies. It's a low budget. In like it's a yeah. in like a genre like horror that gets put in like this. It's like a box. campy side, yeah. Yeah, and like when something big and mainstream with a big star like Al Pacino, yeah, gets made, Brian De Palma, who was successful, yeah, like his last movie before this Blowout, yeah, wasn't blowout. That, didn't make any money, yeah. Travolta, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's too bad. It's a great movie. But anyway, um, he wanted to make a big commercial picture. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what's more commercial than like Al Pacino in a gangster movie? Yeah. And so this kind of movie got a lot of attention you wouldn't otherwise get making something this violent and outlandish. Yeah. And I guess you could use the word bolder. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, what you just said about outlandish and the violence and like... So it's such a big mainstream movie, but also like the political side of it too. Just the mm -hmm. way the film opens up with that little like prologue. Yeah, a little know? epigraph is just like, Yeah. And it's oh. like Castro saying like we're gonna get rid of whoever does not want to stay here. Mm -hmm. You know, leading to the mass exodus, you know, of Cuba. I was reading a little bit about the Cuban response. Okay, what was that like? Well, from what I read, it's like most, you know, critic, like Cuban rights, Cuban cultural groups were very offended and they didn't want this movie yeah. to be released. And there was protests. Uh, I see why. Yeah. A lot of protests, a lot of petitions were passed around. Yeah. And um, there even is, I don't know if you watch until the end of the credits, but there's like a little note at the end that says, this movie only represents a small subset. Of That's right. Now I remember. Yeah. And does not mean to represent the entirety of That's the right. Cuban community. Yeah. And uh, they were forced to put that at the end. Yeah. Just because there was such an outcry to, yeah. to what this movie was about. But the thing is that, um, in my opinion at least, is that this movie is so, like we've been saying, so out there, so big, so cartoon-like. Mm -hmm. It can't even really be taken as a realistic portrayal of Cuban immigrants. It's just something that's yeah. more yeah. symbolic. And like I said before, Brechtian, that's meant to use Tony and drug dealing as it's like a, yeah like a catalyst kind of yeah as a more of a, an exploration of the yeah. american dream and the yeah. way what it's yeah the lanes will go to and what we actually see as the american yeah. dream which is you know money power and yeah women. no yeah i mean it's just strange man because it feels like you know this movie means so much to the latino community yeah and like it it just man the impact of this movie that it's had on Latinos, it's just like, you kind of take it for granted now, you know? And it's very tough to make a movie about a certain group of people, especially nowadays. It feels like mm -hmm. you gotta have like, sort of like everything, you know, uh, set to a certain criteria. It's gotta be like, you know, I was thinking like, can this movie be made now? And I'm like, there's no way this movie can be made. You know what I mean? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Also, yeah. because there's no one like Al Pacino around. We, That's we, true. We yeah. have a lot of chiseled jaws and six packs. Yeah, but no one who can take on yeah. a character like. Tony and I Montana. just don't think people would allow a white Italian guy nowadays to play a Cuban. You know, I just don't think it would fly now. You know, probably. But yeah, that would be the the lesser issue. I think it's more about like these kinds of movies aren't really popular now. No, because I think they faded out. You know, as we've said with like hard boiled violence, yeah. like our understanding of violence nowadays is completely different. You know, in a way, maybe. Like nowadays, like I don't like that chainsaw scene. Okay, let's take for example the chainsaw scene. Mm -hmm. 
in the hotel when yes. Tony sent her to get the the the, the drugs. Right. This was a big deal back then. Kurt Vonnegut was, walked out yeah. at the premiere. No, yeah. I know somebody that saw this in the movie theater, and they were like 13 or 14, and they were saying like how powerful that scene was yeah, and how violent it was and how they never seen anything like that on the big screen. You I know? think that scene is so well shot. Oh, dude, I was about to bring that up. Just like the way it's cut together and yeah. the way De Palma films it, the close-up of uh, Angel, right, that character, and you just see the chainsaw going like his eyes getting bloody yeah. yeah and then tony's looking away and he has the uh the the what are the chain link around his uh is it a chain link what is that it's like a chain the strangling yeah. with a yeah, chain yeah. and he has that around his neck and he can't even watch he has to turn away yeah but he's behind the the shower curtain right and they intercut that with uh Manny? Manny trying to pick up a white girl on well, the street. The thing I love that De Palma does in that scene is that he zooms into the, yes. the blinds. He yeah. zooms out and then the crane down Dude, to the car. Dude, it's beautiful, man. That's one of my favorite shots. it back up to the window. Yeah. It zooms in and then Tony's being tied up and out yeah. his turn. Yeah. And, and then, oh. then Chi is finally like, hey, Manny, man, let's go check on him, man. Yeah. <laughs> probably, they've been gone a long time. Yeah. We should probably go check on him. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, and then, then the dude who's cutting them up, I forgot his character's name, the dude with the chainsaw. He's like, no, the leg, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a real sadism. It's a real uh, casualness to the violence. It's that's... just like, yeah, watching that scene is like, uh, it's so gut. I don't know, it's gut wrenching. And then it turns into this like mass shootout. And yeah. It's and just I, like... The funny thing that tips people off if they haven't noticed to that point is that it's a it's a big not meant to be taken realistically movie is that Tony chases the guy downstairs and he shoots him in front of all these like two dozen senior citizens. That's what I was about to say. All these old white people daylight. just enjoying their day. Uh-huh, like drinking yeah. martinis And the way something. he shoots them too. The way he shoots them like he just pulls out the pistol and he goes hey ah! and then he just shoots him in the head. Right. You know and then that's it. And yeah and then just get out of there and yeah like they never get caught. There's like no, like I know. How many I was witnesses? And yeah, because the movie's yeah. not about that. It doesn't no. matter. I was thinking like nowadays like cell phone cameras would be out and all this stuff, you know? Yeah, so. but even if it took place today, I don't think he would get caught as a character because it just, it's <laughs> not that kind of movie. Nah, no, no. Where he's going to like get hunted down by the police. Yeah. And, I um, agree. Yeah, I mean, there's just so, uh, I mean, De Palma does, I guess, it's not restrained even by his standards. It's just very... I was surprised now we're watching this movie for like the fourth time or something that he's just sort of very classical in his movements. A lot yeah, of cranes. Is, a lot of, yeah. It's like a melodrama. It's yeah, weird definitely. the way he shoots it. Yeah. And the colors he chooses. It's that sort of eighties bright, poppy and young colors. Yeah, it is. And it's like um, smooth talk. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like smooth talk. They're probably influenced by this. Um, but uh, yeah, he just does. He uses like a lot of long lenses. Yeah, a lot of zoom ins, a yeah. lot of slow dolly shots. It's a very grainy movie too. When yeah, you look definitely at it. grainy. I, like, I want to talk yeah, about that. John Alonzo, killing it, man. Yeah, behind the camera, Mexican American cinematographer. Yeah, before this, had done Chinatown. Yeah, a bunch of other great seventies movies. Yeah, remind me of Chinatown a lot. Yeah, but this is this is um a lot. Dirtier looking, grimy, maybe. Oh yeah, it looks nasty. And yeah, the grain you mentioned. I love the grain because you don't see anything like that anymore, anywhere. No, it's super grainy. Yeah. Even the club scenes when they're inside, like 
it's like beautiful and poppy and like everything's well staged but i just noticed the grain i was like man there's so much grain in yeah this. and it's um i think i saw it on netflix so i think it wasn't as much grain as i remember it seeing with but yeah maybe it got cleaned up a bit but still it's maybe. pretty grainy and i just love that look because it looks textural it looks like you can it does touch it you can yeah and feel it and there's not, a definite feel yeah you know, yeah i've like complained before about how digital just looks so clean and trans and yeah lightweight now that doesn't feel it, like anything it's convenient but at the same time you don't you do lose something yeah i mean, you, I you, mean something. you can do great stuff with digital cameras as yeah. in zodiac oh yeah ladybird <laughs> it's cinematography you can feel like it has texture you can, yeah, you feel, can feel it, it. like ladybird especially for some reason i keep bringing it up but yeah. it has a lot of grain or like yeah i was thinking of like steve mcqueen's movies too for some reason yeah there's a lot of filmmakers that can do great stuff with digital and doesn't always have to be that clean yeah sort of you know it just doesn't feel like much to the eye no like yeah and you brought up the cinematography also the sound design in this movie oh yeah it's, it's incredible mm -hmm. one specific scene i keep thinking about in terms of sound design is say goodnight to the bad guy sequence mm -hmm. when they're all having dinner tony is coked out of his mind probably on a quaalude elvia is it El elvira right mm -hmm. is it elvia or elvira 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 yeah mm -hmm. She's like on her quaalude probably, coked out. Stephen Bauer's just there. Manny's just taking it all in, trying to defuse yeah. the situation. But like in that scene though, like the sound design of the surrounding like supporting characters, the background actors, you know, you can hear them. You're like, oh, what's going on? What's happening over there? You yeah, know? you can hear like the plates and the, the plates and the forks. Tinkering. Yeah. And it's so creepy, that scene. And it's just like, that's the embodiment of like the downside of the American dream right you're yeah. sitting there and you're like is and he even says it he's like is this it yeah like, is this you're, it? like you just eat and do drugs and drink yeah, yeah. then you get old and fat what do you have then you go what do you what is this man is this what, what it's all it's, is this what it's all it's for man you know that? yeah that's part of it too that leads to his downfall it's just like he he got everything he wanted yeah it's not it's not anything no, the like realization anything. of the american dream it's just yeah. you gotta have a plan you gotta have expectations too i guess right right and he's also looking at a heavy jail sentence too at that point yeah he's things like, working against him yeah you know and that scene when he gets caught with the dollar bills by those undercovers he says all i'm doing is washing money man you know this is what the country was founded on why am i going to jail and he, like he says later, what's capitalism is getting fucked or something like that. And that's what it yeah. is. You're just fucking over other people. Yeah. And he realizes this and it's just. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So he realizes this and it just, I think it adds on to like the emotional stress and downfall of him, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, how do you feel about his relationship with the sister? How do you, how do you like, how how do you perceive that nowadays? Well, yeah, De Palma, being the pervy he is. <laughs> um, he will, yeah, he, I, mean, I don't know if it was him or Oliver Stone that added that subtext to okay. his relationship with his sister. But it, it makes sense within the cultural way of, of a brother and sister relating to yeah. each other. We were, like, we saw last week in Seven Beauties. Yeah. There has to be, like, this sort of protection, sort of this. Sort I was about of, to like, say that, yeah. Not even like brotherly, but like more like a fatherly guarding of virginity, like yeah. some some it's sort of weird. thing in the yeah. middle age, middle ages. It's really profound in the Latin community too. Yeah, that's something that's like 
still there, I feel. That you have to, like, feel like you have to, like, protect your sister from men. Yeah. And um, it really causes the rift between him and Manny and him and Gina. Yeah. The first time in the club where he follows Gina into the back room yeah, with this guy. And I love the way that scene is shot, too. Whole thing, yeah. I mean, that, that scene between, you know, Tony and Gina when he catches her in the bathroom and like everybody's cleared out except Manny and he's mm-hmm. watching it. That feels like an actor's workshop or something yeah. between them. The way that it feels like it doesn't feel like a scene. It feels like you're in there with them, you know, especially the way he just like, he grabs her by the hair and then he slaps her in the end. It just felt so real, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, um, like you said, it's melodrama. It's very much, yeah. um, it's every emotion is heightened to like a huge Ten. operatic extent, and yeah. I like that a lot. I like. I wish movies were less restrained emotionally, yeah. Because it's always much more. Um, I don't know. Like I always like the most moments where I just feel more alive. It's just like moments where I see people actually having big um, emotions. Yeah, for sure. And it feels nice because it always seems like people are so restrained and held back, especially now where people feel like they have to be operating on some like perfect moral emotional level yeah where they can't do one thing wrong or can't say one it just feels like people are holding back too much now i know it does feel like that i'm sorry yeah no sorry go ahead Uh, i was gonna say i'm trying to think of a scene recently i saw that's like kind of has that same vibe Mm -hmm. i can't really think of one Maybe like the Wolf of Wall Street or something. Yeah, know. right. Like the arguments between Jordan and his wife. Yeah. They have that, which is, yeah, like you said, I can't remember any recent movie that yeah. doesn't try to like just play it, play it cool. Yeah. I also want to talk about, sorry, yeah, I wanted to go back to his sister. Okay, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, Tony winds up killing um, Manny. And it's like, it's almost comical, the reveal, like, Gina tells him, oh, we got married yesterday. We the want... Zoom? The Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Honestly, that's like the perfect gif. Like, I don't know. That's like a good reaction. Yeah, but yeah, it's like a, the, it's comical. Yeah. Because like even he shoots him twice and then Gino's like, oh, we wanted to surprise you. And he's like, oh, you should have called me. His face though, yeah. like just like when he sees Manny with his sister and his sister's at the top of the staircase and that realization. Mm-hmm. And like the synth, you know, the do, you know, it's yeah, like, like the so very dramatic. Sad. Jesus. You know, and he shoots Manny, and I'm just like, great, dude. That's like your only, that's like your right. brother, man. Like, exactly. That's it. And it's just, uh, then there's like the last scene, which is, you know, Gina comes into his office half naked with a gun. I know. Starts shooting at him. Yeah. And then she starts to say, like, make love to me and all that stuff. And like, because yeah, she, she got to the bottom of it, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like. Yeah, he wants to have this like possession of her. That like, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's just like this antiquated sort of. I have to protect you from any man from who anything. might want to not yeah. marry you. Nobody immediately. will ever have you except me. Yeah, it's so strange to see that. Even when I saw it the first time, I was like, "This is making me feel weird." <laughs> like, oh yeah, like, me too. It's, it's like so a, uncomfortable. It's weird. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. You it know, is. And, and I'm it's... just like, whoa, man. And like his uh, Tony's last words to her, he's just like sort of, he finally gets it at that point that he fucked up badly. Yeah, I I just love the way how this movie's written. Mm-hmm. You know, I know at times the dialogue can be like cringy, but I mean like yeah. you know that's the era. 
you know, that's the era, man. But, like, I feel like it, this movie is so well written. Like, just the the structure of the story, you know, from beginning mm-hmm. to end. Even, like, the last 45 minutes of this movie, the downfall of Tony. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like the way, like, it's depicted, how it all goes goes downhill. That's yeah, a classic, you know, epic rise and fall. Epic rise and fall, yeah. You see this over and over again throughout yeah. movies. It's just, um, yeah, it's very, like, you know, it's very gangster, sort of back from the 30s, sort of even before that, you know, actual tr- classical Greek tragedy where it's like yeah. you see this man go to the top, achieve, achieve everything he wanted, but it turns out that's not really what he wanted. No. And thereupon he, like, has to, like, go down he has to like what do you think you wanted like like we said before like he even says it like yeah you want the want the women you want the power you want the money but i also want to talk about elvira's character okay it's a very interesting part of the whole formula yeah is that it's funny that that he tries to like spend the whole first half of the movies trying to seduce her <laughs> he does. she doesn't want anything to do with him no would she say the help calls him the help yeah it's like she's if like, you were the last man you're the last we were on man deserted island she's like i'm not gonna I would still not fuck you I, i'm not gonna fuck some guy that just came off a banana boat yeah she has like all Real? of these like little like not even little but like like the racism yeah, towards tony racism. and like yeah. cubans and latinos in this movie is so heavy-handed yeah it's insane like yeah people are saying like spix banana boat the help just like things where i hear it nowadays and i'm like jesus christ yeah like, but i don't think it's the... heavy-handed though because it, if you it know? was if it's common still now it's, that's true it must yeah have been really common back then. that's what i was about to say yeah from what i've heard like just from family and like just like the racism that Latinos would experience back then mm-hmm. was so much more definitely like, crude, you know, it was, open. Yeah, it's much more out there and less. Yeah, more, I don't know if it was socially acceptable, but there wasn't the same amount of repercussions there is now. I know. Yeah. And her, the thing, interesting thing with her is that the first time we're introduced to her, she's like in this long dress. Yeah, looks expensive, and she gets in like this elevator. That she goes like, down, and she's like a doll, right? She is like a doll, yeah. In like this little and box. Tony's eyes. Yeah, yeah. you see him watching the soundtrack. Yeah, got Giorgio going with the synth. <laughs> and uh, the whole time, the only way he can relate to her is like as an object, as someone he That's wants true. to possess. Yeah, and then when he kills Frank. He takes over his empire. She just te- he just tells her that that she's her she's his now yeah and she like begrudgingly like packs up her things i know and, and she be- just takes yeah. it she doesn't even say anything she just like accepts yeah the night after the night when he shoots frank yeah after the failed assassin attempt of tony mm-hmm. yeah there's that beautiful shot where he's looking at the blimp from the window right and it's like the world is yours and mm-hmm. she's there in the background packing up right you know and um yes it turns out she was nothing more than an object that you never see them consummate the relationship. Yeah. You never see them have sex or being kissed, right? But, you know, really? there's that moment where he also tells her, like, I want you to be the, the, the wife, uh-huh. my wife, and the, the mother of my children. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, it's like it's like a movie where he, he, yeah, he gets himself into situations that are just like he did not expect them to be what they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he has this fantasy of what it's gonna be like. Fantasy, the American dream. And so he's like, if I get this, the the white wife, right? The white blonde, <laughs> the emblematic American, yeah, woman, yeah, and that'll be one more puzzle piece I can 
villain. Yeah. But turns out she doesn't like him. He doesn't mm-hmm. really like her. They don't fit together. They don't fit together. She's just it's this bizarre. idea of what he should yeah. have. It, it, it's very bizarre, that relationship. I, I don't know. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing in this movie, though. Yeah, it's like her first big role. Right, yeah. And um, Six as, years, no, eight years before Batman returned, so. From what I read, Brian De Palma was a lot really interested in the way she was costumed. Oh, okay. And her hairstyle and makeup. That He was um, almost obsessed with the idea. She tells the story about her having a bruise on one leg, and he mm-hmm. sent her back to makeup to cover up the bruise. Oh, really? He just wanted her to be like this perfect, perfect ideal idea. This symbol, really, an object. Yeah. Because we don't really get to know anything about her. But that's the thing for Tony. Yeah, you just know, like, she's never more. Hancock. Right. <laughs> she's never more than an object, something he has to obtain yeah. and keep. And I was just thinking about, like, with, you know, yeah, her last name is Hancock, and, like, Tony can't even say Hancock. He's like, Han- what? Hancock? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Baltimore. Yeah. Where's Baltimore? You know? So, yeah, he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. And it's just like, yeah, the expectations of the, you know, when an immigrant comes to this country, it's like, this is what I want. This is what Americans. Because again, you know, I think it's the idea of him watching movies. I was about to say that, yeah. And De Palma, obviously, big fan of Hitchcock, to say the least. Yeah. The the classic Grace Kelly blonde woman. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sort of like a femme fatale, not really though in this case. Yeah. But just sort of this symbol of what a man has to be to be considered American and a success. That's true. At the time, I mean, like, that was the epitome of beauty. Some Someone like Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. where it's, like, slender, stylish, beautiful skin, light eyes, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah, you brought up Hitchcock. Funny you bring that up. How about the UN scene, huh, when they, when they have yeah. to tail that guy? That's, like, a pure Hitchcock moment right there. Definitely. There's a lot of that in this movie, obviously. Yeah. It's a problem, but that scene reveals Tony's reluctance, not refusal to kill anyone who's innocent, anyone who's a, not really in the game. Yeah, it's the code. Yeah, the code. It's by the code, the honor. And uh, No kids. Yeah, you don't see that anymore, obviously. No. Drug cartels will kill anybody. Anybody. It doesn't matter who. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like this last, again, I think it comes from the old classic Hollywood style of movie making where the gangsters had a code of what they code wouldn't of honor do. Or something. It's kind of like the opposite of Sicario. Remember when, when the drug lord boss tells Benicio Del Toro it's just business. Right. You know. And that's what um, Sosa tells Tony after he tells him, tell him he didn't get do the hit, that yeah. this is what it is. It doesn't matter Yeah. that, that the kids and wife were there. He yeah. had a job to get done, and it should have gotten done anyway, but. Tony yeah. refuses. Tony was like, no way. No kids, man. Yeah. Ends up shooting him. Man, what's that What's that actor's name? That Mark he sh- Margolis. There you go. Before Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. And Ace Ventura. His accent's better in this one than Breaking Bad. I love him in Ace Ventura, though. I Ventura. I don't remember. Sorry. He plays Ventura the landlord. He plays well. Ace Ventura's landlord. I'm sorry. But, okay. Um, yeah, he does. <laughs> but Ventura. anyway. <laughs> and, um, no, yeah, I mean, that's... I would say another thing about this movie, the soundtrack. Yeah. Giorgio killing it on the synth. Giorgio, How about yeah. that, huh? Especially the opening. It's like a funeral you know? dirge, sort of like a funeral song, you know, you're like leading them. Like, you're, right? like yeah, like uh, it's uh, what foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Yeah. This Such an and, epic uh, soundtrack. Boogie Nights starts with a circus theme. 
sort of like a Fellini movie almost. And it's just sort of this like, uh, I'm not subconscious. You're just hinting at the the idea that this isn't the kind of movie you're expecting when you saw that's the true. trailer. No, yeah. I mean, that's just the opening sounds of this movie. You know, you have the, the opening track by Giorgio. And then you have the dialogue. You have, you have the epigraph, which is like of 125,000 you know? Cubans that came over. Yeah. 25,000 had criminal records. Which and, is like, you know, it's a bit much. Yeah, Maybe they like it's like like jaywalked or something, and then they got a criminal <laughs> record. <laughs> it's not that simple, but but I know what you're saying it felt like this was the beginning of Seven Beauties as well. Yeah, they had the same thing. The oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, the same like historical archival footage. Yeah, where you're like setting up the history. It, this is kind of like the opposite though. That you, you actually kind of take you know it's it's unlike Seven Beauties where it's like this weird ironic comical take. You know, with this one, you're glued to the screen. You're like, what's going on here? Like, how did I not know about this mass exodus of Cuba? Uh-huh. You know? I remember in high school, I used to know, like, this kid who actually grew up in Cuba. Yeah. And he came over, like, when he was eight or nine or something, and he was just talking about how, like, he would get mad at other kids when he would tell them, like, <laughs> he would say, I'm Cuban, and then, like, some kids would be like, Oh, like Tony Montana, and he would get irritated. <laughs> he would be like, you know, not every Cuban is, not every Cuban is Scarface, you know. He's oh like, yeah, that's, you know? that's gonna happen with any, you know. Yeah. Like people would call me Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter. Because <laughs> I had glasses and I was white. Oh no. <laughs> and um, that's not a same comparison. I'm just you know, yeah. That's be funny. But anyway, yeah, I can imagine how yeah. annoying it is to be Cuban. Yeah. And have the first thing associated with you to be. Yeah. Al Pacino. And it's just one of those things where this Dude, movie, yeah. like the the like impact of culture and everything, and like the riffs, you know, it 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 created the ripples. I should say it created, you know. Um, and now let's get to the shootout scene, because I think that's one of the sure. like most beautiful, like put together action scenes I've seen. Like, just like the choices by De Palma, you know. The single shot of Tony going, like, say hello to my little friend, mm. <laughs> like that, and just like the inner cuts of the dudes running up, you know what I mean? Taking shots and like yeah. the explosions and just the style of the gun, you know, the M6 scene with the rocket launcher, <laughs> like beneath it, like mm. it felt like that was like a map for like Grand Theft Auto or something, you know? It felt Obviously, like, like I, I yeah. these this movie's linked with Vice City. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course, Obviously, yeah. because of the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one of the final missions in Grand Theft Auto Vice City is an exact replica of the Scarface scene where you're right. defending your house and you're, like, shooting all these dudes, you know? Right. I don't think I would like that game as much if it wasn't so, like, linked to Scarface. I know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this year, I think I've just grown to love De Palma before I, like, I loved a lot of a few of his movies. Me too. Yeah. And now I just sort of really appreciate what he does with the camera. It, yeah, it's funny because I would not have noticed any of what you were uh, noticed any of what you were saying like a year ago, mm -hmm. and then you brought it up to me like a body double, mm -hmm. even in Scarface as well, like where I noticed all these little things. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, De Palma's like underappreciated, dude. You know. Definitely. Like, it's too bad. So yeah, the, his kind of movies aren't made anywhere now i know it's sad it's kind of weird it's I, I don't know you know i i just chalked it up to like different time different place man you know those guys had those influences of like hitchcock cirque 
you know, like mm-hmm. Samuel Fuller, just like all these like variety of influences. Whereas now, like we're looking up towards like I don't know, like younger filmmakers. I I assume like our generation, we're looking up to like maybe like Tarantino. You know, maybe we're looking up to somebody like um, um, I can't even think of any other film director for some reason. But like, hopefully, we're still looking I up mean, to those classic. I ones, mean, it's, but. hopefully, yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of filmmakers our age we're not that old no we're not so we, like most of the filmmakers in our generation haven't made movies yet they're just it's true man thinking about it yeah but i feel like it would be like paul thomas anderson pta yeah for sure he said tarantino maybe yeah. like a second wave of tarantino imitators i i thought of you know i brought up tarantino because i always hear people bring up tarantino like our generation like how they think and that's this is not to say in a negative way or anything, but I always hear like people's favorite movies are like Pulp Fiction, and I'm just like, Pulp Fiction's good, man, but it just feels like there's other ones I would choose over it. Yeah, you I mean if you know, just like put Jackie Brown in there, which I think is like I think Jackie Brown's one of his like most underappreciated movies. Yeah, man. it's like one of his best. It's like top yeah. three. It's dude, it's De Niro, dude, and Bridget Fonda. It's just it's De Niro, yeah, De Niro, beautiful, Samuel man. Jackson, just like a, yeah. Anyway, we're straight from the point. Um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, at least with us, if we ever get to make anything, it'll be somewhat influenced by the Palma, just in terms of the camera movement that is so graceful and doesn't, like, pull you out of the movie. It's no, just, it doesn't. He knows how to guide your eye in a way that's he very... Does. Yeah, that's why I brought the shootout uh, scene. Unintrusive, yeah. It feels like that thing is so put together, like, perfectly, editing-wise. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, huge amount of jump cuts. There's no, like quick cutting like i think if they were done nowadays it would be like so fast it'd be a mess you would notice yeah you'd be like what the hell's going on here it would be a blur and you would get bored you would just disengage and with napalma does it again like with hard-boiled john woo he knows how to let you constantly remember where the characters are what the stakes are yeah and at the same time build suspense as to whether or not the main guy is going to live or not and not like unintentionally insulting your audience not guiding the audience by hand yeah that's a big one i feel like you should just do what you feel and just like go with the flow and then the audience will come up like it feels like now everything has to be spoon-fed to an audience everything has to be so dumbed down and just like just do what you want man and then let the audience catch up with you maybe you know yeah it's all about that but like again it's like if studio executives were intrusive back then, imagine now where it's just like constant barrage of notes and audience yeah, testing, I know. algorithms. Is this going to work? I told you we're nearing that algorithm where they put it into a program and yeah. it's going to spit out what the movie should be down to like who the editor will be, you know? I mean, like the nightmare is that eventually like algorithms will write the scripts. All the, all the, the entire movie will be digitally shot. <laughs> with animated actors but they look Maybe. real anyway i got off track no it's okay i know what you're saying um yeah um i hopefully that the palma has a resurgence somehow Maybe. even though he seems like he would be canceled like an instant if this if like he made any of his movies that's in the 80s came thing, out man. that's another thing about his movies they're not pretty they're not they're not politically correct they right. make you think about things they make you think about gender sex the role of femininity in culture you know like like carlito's way too like carlito's way is probably one of the best another great gangster movie you know not as impactful as scarface but just as intriguing just as like 
If not, that movie has more of a heart, I think. Carlito's way, it's got more soul in some weird way. No, definitely. Yeah, I was thinking about that also, that his movies tend not to be so emotional in terms of character. They're just sort of yeah. detached, yeah. mostly in, in favor of the stylistic elements. For sure. Um, but yeah, Carlito's way, there's, um, there's still some sort of emotional catharsis at the end when he dies that you I don't know. really get. Not even Scarface, really. No, you don't. And at the end of Scarface, when he dies, you're trying to just like, oh man, shot him from the back, dude. You know, yeah. like, and that's it. After he's screaming like all these bad words, like, you know, yeah. horrors. What was terrible? Well, no, he's like, he's like, <laughs> not even that. He's just like, I'm still standing. Your bullets can't do anything. I'm still standing. Like, I'm still standing. Yeah, There's a guy. Like, you know, the guy gets him from behind. Yeah, but um, and then he do the freeze frame that. He's like laid out, you know. Yeah, and then like it cranes away. It cranes away, away yeah. as all the hitmen start to leave. Yeah. Check on their dead friends. Yeah. And then Giorgio Scar comes in. But yeah, you're right that that whole sequence and many sequences in his entire body of work are just so perfectly planned. Yeah. And that it seems like I've listened to a podcast. Roger Deakins has a podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's pretty great. He has a lot of good people on there. But he he talked about how the Coen brothers know exactly what shots they need, and they don't get anything else. They already have it edited in their heads. Perfect. And yeah. a lot of directors will just get everything they can and then decide how to Coverage. put it together Coverage. in the editing room. And I, it doesn't seem like De Palma really does that. He knows what he's going to get and I how. I feel what you just described, that's how I feel. Like in terms of like making movies, mm-hmm. I, hate, I hate coverage. I hate like... You know, we'll just film from all angles and put it together. I'm like, no, dude, let's yeah. let, no, let's let's have this organized and just go with what you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah, and like film with screenmakers, just the same thing about Scorsese. He knows what he needs to what get need, to make yeah. the scene work, and yeah. he's not just like. And Scorsese himself says it's at a certain point where you just gain so many angles, you're selecting, you're not directing. You're, exactly. You're just and gonna, it feels like that's what filmmaking's become. Definitely, but that's an argument for. A I mean, day. especially for TV. <laughs> Oh yeah, TV's for network TV yeah. where you just TV's get just... every angle so the head writer, or the showrunner can put it together later. I know, and it seems like a lot of movies are put together that way now, where you just sort of sort of try to cover yourself and not really have any definite plan of how you want the scene to work. Definitely, from terms of uh, editing. Yeah, it's frustrating. But um, yeah, there's a lot to learn from De Paula, I think. No, there is a ton to learn, also from like Oliver Stone too. I think his writing. You know, and then him like directing like Salvador, another underappreciated movie I think he has with James Woods mm-hmm. um, from the early 80s. That's another one where I just, I don't know. I think Oliver Stone's another one of those directors where I look at him like, yeah, I mean, the technicality may not be there and he might not be as like on the point as like De Palma, but his stories though are very like intriguing to me. You know, there's something that he taps into. There's something like, so American about kind of like Cameron Crowe, you know, yeah. there's something so American about them. You can't really ignore them. You know, these are filmmakers that are just, a. what do you think it is? Well, then what, no, what, it's what, what was in the water back then. That's not in there now. I think it's still in there for some people. Yeah. I think it's that it's a sort of identity, a sort of style and voice as filmmakers that even Oliver Stone had, 
that is just no one else could make that movie it's it's in yeah. it's a representation of who he is in, as an artist yeah and i think you still have that today with i don't know at least not to be too broy but the safety safety brothers mm-hmm. uh, paul thomas anderson of course claire denis she's uh, almost 80 now but she's still staying true sort of uh yeah i mean as directors get older they sort of fade away in a way but she's still making vibrant powerful work that still speaks to what she has to say about whatever she's making a movie about there's still directors out there that still like (laughs) i mean it's hard to say that for american filmmaking for at least for like worldwide yeah there's still those kinds of filmmakers out there Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if i'm just not being generous enough to think of any more American filmmakers. No, it's escaping your mind. My question was, uh, like, what, like, what do you think it was for them though? That like, like I've been trying to think about that. Like, what was it about that boomer generation and the one before that that just they kind of just like created their own rules? I don't know how to describe it. They like took their influences and they and they they like made things that you can't disregard. It's very strange. What's this confluence of different elements in that at that point they were still under the influence of great filmmakers? Yeah. Um, yeah, the guys that are looking up to are like, they're the best. Yeah, they're like, I mean, at least Hitchcock was still making movies into the 70s. And yeah, the money was there. The audiences were there. Yeah. But if we if the culture and society starts to devolve into trying to please at least the low common denominator. You feel that that's what's happened? It's part of it, for sure. It's just that people are, are not willing to engage with art in the same way, not even filmmaking, so. but just if you ever see people going to a museum, you just see people walking through galleries, taking selfies occasionally. Oh. You don't really see anyone stand there and look <laughs> at a painting for longer than one minute. Yes, so you just sort of see them cruise by and go, oh, cool, yeah. It's usually old people in museums. Well, I see young people too, and they don't. They're not feeling it. They're trying to like think yeah. about like where are we gonna go for lunch later. <laughs> You're silly. I'm not. It's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> the voices. But it's just, yeah. I don't know, man. I try not to be cynical and bitter, but you know, it's hard with the way people are now. <laughs> it's just hard. I can see that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can see that. I, I know you feel the same way. You're just trying to be coy. No, I'm not coy. coy you you know right that here. I have. You know that I have let go. Have you? A lot of stuff. That's nice. I have. I've. I've gone Nikki Zen, as I call it. I've let go of a lot of things, and I'm moving and forward. And that's true. You have to move forward. You have to. Gotta move forward. Do yeah. your thing, regardless of. If there's an audience or not for it, you have to yeah. speak your truth, as they say. <laughs> exactly. I forgot what we were talking about anyway. I'm excited for this next one we're going to do. Uh, Matrix. Oh, Daddy Daycare. I was gonna Daddy Daycare. I was going to make a joke. We should do Daddy Daycare. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Garland. R.I.P. Jeff Garland? I'm kidding. He's not really. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You scared me. All right. Well, everybody, that was another episode of Movies Are Dead. Check out Scarface from Check 1983 Scarface. if you have not. Um, and then, yeah, check out our other episodes, too, the backlog. You know? I hear uh, Body Double is getting a lot of hits online. So so check out Body Yeah, oh, we did Body Double. Do Body Double. Do Vanilla Sky. Do a double feature of Scarface 
and body double. body double. That's a good double feature. I thought about doing that last night, but nah, you know, check it out, guys. I got a lot we of appreciate options. people looking at her stuff. So, all right, okay. all right, buddy. Bye. I think we'll wrap this one up. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye bye.